0: Hello and welcome to The Rewriters, a celebration of people who have shirked convention, expectation and even their own limitation to rewrite their story on their terms. Each episode, we'll dig into the inspired and very real-life stories of people who have done just that, rewritten their story. I'm a nosy practical optimist too, so expect all of the nitty-gritty details. If you're an ambitious seeker craving a different kind of lifestyle, career, or business, but have felt held back by your own or other people's beliefs about what's possible or permissible, The Rewriter's is for you. Hello and welcome to the episode. I'm Monique Shaw, aka The Rewriters, founder of Rewrite, and your host. I'm a coach, writer, and brand storyteller, and my mission is to empower people to rewrite their stories to create careers, brands, and lives they love. Today's rewriter is Dr. Path Shah. Path has an extraordinary career story and an impressive history of career rewrites. He's an optometrist by trade, trustee of the board of the College of Optometrists, the UK's professional body for optometrists. And earlier in his career, he worked in academia as a lecturer, a clinical supervisor, and completed his PhD before pivoting into the corporate world and then pivoting out of that world into self-employment, founding his practice. Along the way, he worked in Premier League football and also got an executive MBA at Cambridge University. In this often philosophical conversation, Parth explains how he makes such bold career moves without having certainty or even bags of confidence. We discuss imposter syndrome and also delve into the need to create spaces in our lives and our communities to allow deeper conversation, connection and empathy, particularly with those we disagree with. Path refers to some books during our conversation too, and I've linked to those in the show notes for you. And in the show notes, you'll also find links to how you can work with me, sign up to my weekly rewrite newsletter, and access oodles of free content on my website, rewriterewrite.com. I work with clients one-to-one, in groups, and I also have an online program that you can do at your own pace. My flagship program, Rewrite Your Career Story, was developed for people who are ambitious for success that doesn't come at the expense of personal fulfillment. We all deserve to have professional and personal fulfillment. I walk you through how to rewrite your career story from the inside out so it works for who you are and how you want to live, covering everything from values, how you spend your time, personal branding, inner critic, creating and maintaining change, and then putting your desires into action. Doors to my group program are currently closed, but you can join the waiting list and I have some space available for one-to-one clients to join my three or six-month bespoke coaching programs. The online program is available anytime at all, so you can join that whenever you want. If you enjoy the episode, please do drop it a quick five stars. If you're listening on Apple, give it a review. And if you can think of just one person you could share it with who may be itching to rewrite their career story, please do. Okay, now on with the episode. Hi Path, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Monique, thanks for having me.
0: So I was introduced to you by your good friend and my previous guest Nalesh Dosa, and he described you as smashing everything out of the park and is never afraid to do something new.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> well, I hope so, yeah.
0: <laughs> what really struck me was that when we first spoke and I I, I told you what Nalesh had said, you actually said that you wouldn't describe yourself as somebody who is super confident, but you will have a go anyway.
1: I think so. I mean, I think that's um, something I've always wanted to do and I've tried to do throughout my life. But it's, uh, as I say, when you hear it said back to you, it does, um, you know, it, had, it has made me sort of take a step back and think, gosh, is that, is he really talking about me?
0: So, before we dive into that stuff, because I would like to understand how someone who doesn't describe themselves as super confident makes such super confident and super bold moves in their career, could you give us a whistle stop tour of your career rewrites to date?
1: Um, so, yeah, I, I, my background I'm, I graduated uh, well, far too long a time ago to remember now, probably 20, 20, nearly 20 years ago, 2002. And I am a healthcare worker. I'm an optometrist by background. And I finished my professional examinations a year later. So I've been practicing uh, since then, 2003. Uh, In 2004, I probably undertook my first rewrite, I suppose. Um, And I actually went back to university to complete a PhD or started a PhD in 2004. And that took uh, about three years and alongside my postgraduate alongside the doctorate i was also teaching uh, clinically and also acting as a a clinical supervisor and a lecturer uh, at the time Uh, fond memories and then 2008 i left academia after completing my phd and i actually moved into management consulting and i went to work for pwc uh, and as you can imagine, 2008 wasn't a great year for the uh, financial industry, or for the well, for the for the country at large. We had a that was a financial crisis, and so I entered just as the just as the storm was uh, was approaching. Uh, and so 2008 to 2010, I worked at PwC as a management consultant, and then uh, around 2010, I decided to leave PwC. And some of those reasons were, were more personal, really. It was um, around the time when my wife and I were thinking of sort of settling down and having children. It felt like the right time to perhaps take a step back from the, uh, the hectic world of, of finance. Perhaps start to look at more, more sustainable <laughs> means of revenue and income. And then went about starting my own or taking on my own business, my own optical practice, which I acquired in 2012. So a couple of years later and have owned that ever since. So I'm quite a restless individual, always looking for new challenges. So in the middle of actually running my practices, I've done a few things. So from 2014 to 16, I actually worked as a vision consultant with a, uh, with the Premier League Football Club, which was great fun. Uh, and I learned a lot. And obviously, I'm a big football fan. When I worked with their goalkeeping team, including some of the sort of biggest names that a lot of people have heard of, and I was there running vision training programmes, which is fascinating. I also operate as a trustee of the College of Optometrists, which is the professional body that effectively uh, undertakes the examination and supervision of uh, optometrists in the UK. Until last year, I completed um, an executive MBA at Cambridge University.
0: Quite a, a, a humble catalogue of career rewrites, then the path. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. Now, yeah. Again, every time I say it out loud, it it genuinely doesn't feel like me, but it's uh, (laughs) that is me.
0: So, how does someone who doesn't describe themselves as confident make such bold changes? I mean, you've gone from academia to consulting to entrepreneurship along the way, working for Premier League football, getting your MBA at Oxbridge. If not confidence, what is it that's driving you forward to make those shifts?
1: I think there'd be two main drivers here Uh, and I I spent a little bit of time trying to think about that. The first one really would be um, effectively seeing my life, and it's probably a little bit philosophical, possibly a little bit too deep for uh, for an early start of the conversation, (laughs) but I see my life as a a journey. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let's go straight in. So um, essentially for me, uh, my career and more broadly my life is is it's all about the journey and so essentially i i always want to be doing something that's that's interesting um that keeps me engaged that's challenging intellectually and therefore as part of that i again personally i feel that pivoting is is a natural process of finding new and interesting things to do the whole notion of confidence really never came into it because i just sort of came you know some of these things i stumbled across across um i stumbled across things that i found interesting but other things i made a concerted effort to try and seek out your career is not a necessarily i mean obviously it's a means to to earning well and, and providing for yourself your loved ones your family but in and amongst that there's also a you know there's a there's scenery outside the window and you need to be enjoying the scenery as you travel along and it doesn't mean you have to wake up bouncing out of bed every day it just essentially means that you're moving along uh, there's some level of progress however you define it
0: mm. what you're describing there to me is an enormous amount of curiosity yeah and living in a really yes. curious way really curious and inquiring way
1: Yes i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a natural I suppose I suppose it's the one thing that you know i I would use to define me and myself it, it's just a restless learner um and someone that wants to learn from everything and every everyone I meet uh, it's, it's been the way I've been um, from a very young age um, I suppose that would be one of the ways that my friends and family would would describe how I am uh, and I just seem to revel in in finding things that that I can learn from I suppose you know the flip side of that is that I'm at my most disruptive when I'm not learning so mm, yeah it's in my own interest to make sure that I'm keeping myself engaged and, and seeking out new challenges um, I mean as some of these life decisions you have to put in context of of where you are in life as well you know you, you work your career is is uh, your career is just one part of life there is the rest of the bigger picture that you have to put into put in context there as well
0: you one of the things that you said there that i found really interesting was that you describe yourself as being at your most disruptive when you are not learning and so therefore having enough self-awareness to recognize when i'm learning i'm at my best when i'm able to uh exercise my curiosity exercise my curiosity and really keep that curiosity and growth and learning part alive that's when i'm at my happiest that's when i'm at my best did you always know that about yourself or did you notice a pattern that when you were getting more distracted and disruptive it was when you were feeling stuck what sort of what what emerged first
1: uh, That's a very good question i think it was possibly. No, I don't think I did know that about myself. I think when I, again in my in my twenties, uh, you know, you go through the education system and you go through the, you sort of sit on the conveyor belt and you you run through the system relatively on uh, on semi-automatic. Um, you're not really, you're sort of aware of what you're doing and you think you know what you really want and you think you kind of know where you're going to end up but the 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 promised land of post-graduation is 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 actually just the beginning Mm. (laughs) in many cases you know you finish education you come out you've got a degree you've done reasonably well you've done the best you can and then you start to think okay well now what i think i went through my 20s um i made some pivots of course i did a lot of them were quite um sort of driven by trying to again this learning, wanting this insatiable appetite to just keep going.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, But I don't think I'd stopped long enough to know how disruptive (laughs) I would be (laughs) when I had stopped, if you know what I
0: mean.
1: Mm. Um, And so I think it was really over the last last five, six years, I think, since I, you know, when I had took on my business um and worked in it, that was it was great. But after a while, I think I, I kind of got it to a level where it was running pretty well, uh, with and perhaps even without me. And you know, I'm I'm just not someone that's driven by money hugely. Obviously, I, you know, we all like nice things, and I want to have a want to be able to provide for my family and um, and earn reasonably well. But it's the law of diminishing returns. After that, every extra pound you get is not going to be reciprocated by extra measure of happiness. I sort of started to understand that when I wasn't learning, when I wasn't in that exciting phase of growth and constantly learning from everything around me, that's when I started to become a little bit more disruptive. But I think the way I want to challenge myself now, I hit, you know, I hit a bit of a milestone birthday last year and, you know, it only a number, but I think psychologically it made me step back and think, okay. done a lot of pivoting done a lot of rewriting rewriting but what does it all mean where are you going what's the sort of bigger picture what are you going to do with the next 40 years of your life are you going to keep jumping from one because that's the risk right that you keep Mm. someone like me you keep rewriting you keep jumping you keep moving from one career to the other to the next looking for the new that new itch to scratch you need to rewrite such that you are able to continuously learn continuously grow but also be able to feed something deeper within yourself as possibly you've always been searching
0: mm. if you know what I mean so What answer did um, you come to? <laughs> What's the answer um, for us?
1: I, I don't know what the answer is really. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out I mean, when I when I tell you that I'll be a very wise person but I'm mm. still, <laughs> still on that road but yes, which which actually I think is some of the areas which I, would, which I really enjoy thinking about and discussing and exploring. And if I'm honest, perhaps it's, a, it's an area that we as a society don't have enough space to talk about at the minute. The frustration that I have, you know, in many ways is that we live in quite a superficial world. I don't say that we people are superficial. What I'm saying is that the, the interactions that we have often are superficial. You know, we lack spaces for deeper conversation. Lack spaces for uh, safe disagreement, and that's a big one right now. It's a Just really big one. Around and seeing how polarized people are, mm-hmm. and seeing how um, how visceral a lot of the reactions of the things that, that events are, uh, are getting. Where is that space where we can get together, where we can discuss what matters with people that we don't agree with? Mm-hmm. We don't want to live in echo chambers. You don't want to live with people that just agree that only think the same way you do, uh, whether that's virtually or physically.
0: I've been guilty of this myself, just on your point about the, um, I can't remember the exact words that you use, but like creating a space for safe disagreement and, yep. you know, intellectual debate, uh, critical thinking and being able to have healthy discussions and respectful arguments when we don't always agree and it has it has become very polarized and there has been this lack of nuance and I I had to check my my own self just yesterday actually I was looking um scrolling through Instagram as one does when one is trying to numb and distract oneself um <laughs> and I was I was reading the comments underneath a particular post and I was disappointed by the that this person that I followed um, had shared something that I strongly disagreed with and my instant reaction was to unfollow, and I was looking at the comments underneath. And uh, an, another person that disagreed um, said that she didn't want to unfollow because she didn't want to create an online echo chamber. And I really admired that. I still unfollowed this person because I was, you know, offended. Um, yeah. But it's not the right thing to do necessarily. And I get really frustrated when there are things that I. Uh, yeah, I'm Australian, and there's a big anti-vax movement in Australia, and I'm very pro-vax and very proudly pro-vax. Um, looking forward to being vaccinated against COVID, um, and the anti-vax movement can get really aggressive. And when I see some of the rhetoric around that, I myself feel quite, you know, ready to to go <laughs> or to, to 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 respond in the same. You know, how could they be so? selfish or how could they be so this and it comes from myself coming from a real strong place of judgment um but if we're able to say tell me more about that and have that curiosity that you alluded to earlier not alluded to but you talked about earlier in your own career tell me more about that tell me where you're coming from uh you know just create that nuance and that dialogue where everybody is safe not to be rude and disrespectful and harmful, but just to share openly and and, and have that, that discussion and that, that debate.
1: We're all a result of our own childhoods, our own friends, our own family, their, their own stories. You know, only now are we starting to, you know, at the great work you're doing, um, you're, you're working on this level of storytelling and this layer of storytelling is so fundamental to, to everything that goes on within each of us and between each of us as, a, as an individual you, you grow up you are effectively a, 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 a sort of concoction of all the influences you've had and so uh, again it's very easy cliche to say this but we have to disentangle the opinion from the person because that opinion is very often it's a result of the environment and the cultural influences and the mm-hmm. uh, you know other extrinsic factors that drive a person to think in that way and so the only way we're ever going to learn and perhaps even be able to, to change both ourselves and those people around is if we're able to have those conversations. Mm. You know, that, that sort of strikes at the heart of, of what I the areas I'd like to be in and, and part of sort of my future uh, rewrite, if you want to call it that. And um, it, it's, it, it's a bigger, as I say, it's a bigger, deeper, more existential notion, because I think, you know, uh, we're moving from a world where your job isn't just what you do, it's it's who you are. Mm. And 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 that that drives, you know, many of the, the, the sort of millennial generation, um, they want to f- make sure that purpose is ingrained within whichever company they work for. And if it's not, and if the company doesn't stand for something, then that you know you're not going to turn up nine to five, do your job, and go home because a lot of people are going to vote with their uh, vote with their feet. Mm. And I fundamentally think that that's that's right. It
0: Absolutely. will increasingly happen as well, particularly with Generation Z coming through and the generation after that. I mean, when our children grow up, they are not going to be down with the old linear, laddered, um, hierarchical, fixed workplace and old promise that you know generations before and even our generation were were sold it's just not going to work for them they will demand more fulfillment more purpose more flexibility more fluidity um, more alignment with their values
1: absolutely right absolutely right and i think that that's maybe some of the things that i've done is possibly an earlier earlier version of, of that it's possibly quite a rough um version of a portfolio career which again i I only heard about in in the last few years but (laughs) it sort of feels like um it, it feels like the generations as you say the generations to come my children your children all of our children are going to demand more from the people that they work with the people that they work for and uh and the people in the society in which they live but also they'll you know they'll just be as demanding of themselves which is a hundred percent. If we're working towards a, a better world, then that's, that's no bad thing.
0: So, so tell me, Path, have you noticed with the beauty of hindsight that there is a, a, a pattern or a kind of process that you go through when you reach the natural conclusion of one chapter and start thinking about what that next one might be?
1: I guess it depends. It starts with, I think initially there's a push or a pull they both start with feelings. You can either have a push feeling or a pull feeling, it's probably my own terminology, but a push feeling is essentially the place that you're in you don't enjoy, you wanna get out, you wanna move on, you want to go somewhere else, you don't get on with people. There's a pull tends to be that you're driven by more of a passion somewhere else, an interest somewhere else, a desire to become an expert somewhere else. For me personally, moving from academia to consultancy. It, it, it was a little bit of a both, really. You know, academia wasn't really the, the place I wanted to be. At that time, it was a little bit so sort of overly political for me, if I'm honest. It wasn't really as pure and noble as I, perhaps I'd wanted it to be. But again, some of that was my own naivety. It was also a pull factor in so much as, you know, I was again in my twenties, I wanted to, you know, London was calling. I thought uh, it would be great to go and work in, work in the city. Uh, I had a lot of friends who were in the industry. Uh, the work, consultancy work itself, sounded very, very interesting because, it, you know, you're learning a lot. You're jumping from one sector to the other, upskill yourself very, very quickly with the industry, with the market, with, uh, with what's going on, do the work, deliver the projects, and it's intense, and then you move on. And that ticked all the boxes for me, really. Essentially, it, it, yes, I, I suppose to get back to your question, it starts with a, a feeling. There's some, either there's something going on here that I'm not overly keen on, that I need to move away from, or that I deeply want to move to this industry, or this area, or this skill set, so I need to work towards that. You have to essentially consider all of your opportunities. That means you consider your, your opportunities away from where you're working, but also you consider the opportunity cost as well. Every move, every rewrite, every pivot, every change, it comes with an opportunity cost. And so you have to consider that. Often this can lead to quite a big conflict internally, and that has happened to me as well. You start to think, okay, well, do I really want to leave this career because I could be doing really well, I can move up to this position, I can get promoted, I can get paid this much, that sort of thing. Uh, or do I want do I to leave right now and move to another, another industry? But, but that internal conversation has to be had. You've got people around you that you can talk to, bounce these ideas off will almost hold the mirror up to you and say, are you, are you just moving because, there's a fine line, are you just moving because you're bored uh, or are you moving because you're genuinely unhappy?
0: Boredom can be a really legitimate reason as well because I would probably argue that my most recent move to leaving the corporate world and starting my own business started with a growing sense of, I mean, certainly dissatisfaction, but boredom was definitely in there too. I, I I no longer felt stimulated or challenged. I felt fatigued by some of the stuff that I had to do, fatigued by some of the structures. Um, and, you know, the, that state of being bored or stuck or unsure, but certainly what you described there, that pull or push feeling I think is really powerful and smart because it does start with a feeling and then your head gets involved and then you Mm. start the thinking and that is where I think a lot of people get stuck so people that I work with a lot of my clients come to me because they feel stuck they feel bored they feel disconnected overwhelmed they have all of these feelings but then the thinking bit is where they really unravel unravel because they don't have clarity they have no idea which way to go so applying your idea there of or the or the approach that you take of sort of weigh up all your options and then what are the pros and cons or the costs involved and the opportunities get some external input that's all great and smart and thorough but then you have to do the the doing you have to make the decision and you have to go for it do you Do you, when you make that move, do you have absolute certainty at that point that that's absolutely the right decision or do you go for one of the options and see what happens?
1: Uh, No, (laughs) certainty, absolutely not. There's very little that's certain, um, well, in life, I suppose. You can make sure you're as certain as you can be and that's where all the background work comes in, as as you're saying with regards to the preparation and ensuring that you've considered your options, you've weighed them up, pros and cons, and even physically, you know, going out to, to try to network with people, trying to meet prospective employers, etc. And that sort of thing. But ultimately there is always going to be a, a point where you're standing on the precipice. And and that may be, you know, before you press send on the uh, on the CV and covering letter that you've got to send off. That may be before you make that phone call to someone. That may be before you uh, attend that meeting or attend the interview, or even before you hand your resignation in. Any, all of those are points at which you are effectively on that precipice, and that's where the uncertainty goes up. That's potentially where the anxiety goes up. That's potentially where the um, your self doubt creeps in, and you start to. You know, your, your, your brain's doing 1,000 miles an hour telling, telling yourself what the hell are you doing. <laughs> uh, go, back to, go back to where you were because life was certain then. Mm. And, and we as humans, I think we're wired to seek certainty where, where we can. In, in some way, it makes us feel comfortable. But those of us who seek out discomfort and, and understand the, the thrill and the, the growth and the enjoyment that, that discomfort brings, actively work against that. There is going to be a point where you have to jump it doesn't always have to feel like a jump and, and if you can break things down rationally so that it's less of a jump and more of a step then i think it can help you allay some of your own fears I, i've kind of come around to thinking of, of careers and, and where we are as a sort of a, a test and learn type situation um and that's come from a, a book or working um working identity by my neighbor which you may have heard of and people who were listening should definitely were thinking about things like this just should, should definitely look at and in that she talks about the fact that you know before you make a change before you make a career rewrite you often feel like it's going to be a big jump and you've got to have all your ducks in order and uh, got to make sure you know exactly where you're going and you've got to have everything planned out before you hand your resignation in it doesn't often work like that and life doesn't often work like that and so sometimes the best way of doing things is actually just to test and learn to try things out to learn quickly almost similar to entrepreneurship really you test you fail fast you can try things out if you know they're not working you move on But when you find something that sticks you stick with it grow with it you mm-hmm. learn from it and you develop it so know that changing your mind is okay
0: There's so much that you've just touched on there that I want to underline. I don't even know where to start. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So this idea that people have when they are seeking that certainty, it's actually the antithesis of experimentation and play. And I completely Mm. agree with you. I think when when we're thinking about what change to make next or we know we want to make a change but we don't know what, actually you don't need to have all of the answers. You just need to start somewhere. And I, with yeah. with with my business, I took a long time to really think about what sort of things I would like to do and how I wanted to show up and and what I what I didn't want, um, and that wasn't just about the work that I did, but also the lifestyle that I wanted to build around the work that I did. But I wasn't overly fixed, and that put me in good stead because the lockdown, the first UK lockdown, happened two weeks after I had left. The comfort of my corporate job and I had to adjust to you know corporate contracts for consulting disappearing and thinking through well how do I uh, you know what piece do I do next and you know how do I evolve my business in this this new in this new situation because I had initially planned to do work with individuals and with organizations as well around rewriting their story and actually what emerged was this real need to help people with their work story and how they sort of adjust to this this new situation. And I sat down and spent two weeks writing what is now my flagship program, Rewrite Your Career Story. I hadn't built that before I left my job to start my business. I sat down and put everything that I knew about Uh, you know, that I had learned from coaching and rewriting my own story that I had learned from my professional experience in brand and communications and and business development, and my own personal experience as a returning, you know, mum, working parent, etc. into this program that was then meant to be online and then a friend of mine said oh i'd really like to do that i've got some friends who want to as well and then i i trialed it with them and it's become a group coaching program this stuff wasn't me having all of my ducks in a row me knowing exactly what products and services i wanted to develop it was me having a fair idea a kind of outline and then just going for it and adjusting and and tweaking and responding to opportunities as they presented themselves but still being very clear about the things that i really didn't want to do um so yeah i i enthusiastically agree with this idea of iterating and you know fail fast and move on and and just experiment and play and follow your nose
1: exactly and i think that um there's an element of this which is which you touched on which i think is really good which is the boundaries so i think drawing up boundaries is is vital what i mean by that is that and what i think you mean by that is understand your red lines just in terms of what it is whether it's what you want from a career how much money you're looking for what your sort of work 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 life balance has got to be like the type of values you want from your organization for example and and once you've built those red lines then you can play within those borders experimenting is 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 a great way to do it and the other thing about i think you mentioned this as well when you when you leave your current place of work and if you don't really know exactly what you want to do just that process of creating space just that process of having space i mean it can do wonders for, for the mind that's sort of that change in your mental status when you leave a certain place whether it's because you're you know you're not you're unhappy there or don't really want to be there or actually just just leaving that place to give yourself some time and some space to try and figure out where you want to go that in itself can be incredibly helpful there's a, again a, i guess another book which's been incredibly helpful for me is as range which again you, you've probably heard of and a lot of people have heard of david epstein and, and in that he talks about the um, the rise of the generalist i suppose that really speaks to me because again i've been one of these people that hasn't really uh, i've never i've never really wanted to be a hyper specialist in anything mm. uh, and i've never really gone down the rabbit hole to become that's a hyper-specialist in anything. That have always quite enjoyed being the sort of person that is able to step back from industries and from problems and be able to join dots. And I think that's exactly what Epstein talks about in this book. One of the points he talks about is that when we we change our careers, we also change who we are. So in essence, we're sort of flirting with versions of ourselves. Mm. So he took, it's called the context principle, which he says that You know, when you change where you are and when you change who, when you change where you work, you sort of also change the way you behave. And that's really interesting. It brings out different versions of you. And I find Mm. that fascinating because I've I've noticed that in myself just throughout my career and and throughout life. I think that that's such an interesting way to live. It gives you different versions of you, you flirt with versions of yourself. So, again, there's a real fun element in trying to figure out which version of you you want to be. And uh, how you take that forward?
0: Yeah, I really like that, um, and I hadn't thought about that in terms of my own experience. But as you were talking about that, I can certainly relate to it. Um, there's a different part of me that went to work for a big corporation, a big corporation to the, the part of me that works for myself and, and, you know, is very deep in storytelling and helping people to really realize uh, the new stories that they might want to write for themselves. The other thing that you said earlier that I really loved because it is, you're singing my tune here is when you were talking about being someone that seeks discomfort. And when we think about uh, comfort and change and confidence and growth and all of these things I think a lot of people might assume that in order to take the big bold move you have to be confident first um, and in order to kind of you know change it has to feel right when actually the opposite is true change and changing your story rewriting your story pivoting whatever you want to call it it doesn't feel comfortable it doesn't always necessarily feel hundred percent right it can feel messy and scary and uncomfortable and That's kind of the point with growth. It can be uncomfortable. You're stepping outside of your comfort zone.
1: Yes, absolutely. Again, I've had to deal with that throughout my career. I mean, sometimes I feel like I've been a bit of a glutton for punishment because I am a huge sufferer of imposter syndrome. I'll tell you that straight. Everywhere I go, whenever I meet people that, uh, you know, in whatever industry I'm in, I'll meet obviously the experts and this kind of senior people within that industry, and I'll feel completely, uh, completely stupid and completely out of place. I suffer from imposter syndrome a huge amount of times, but nevertheless, that has not really stopped me from trying. It's really understanding that when you do make a change, when you do make a a career decision to move away from perhaps what you're doing, that it is going to be scary and it is going to feel uh, uncomfortable, but be comfortable in that. Uh, Embrace it and understand that it's Part of the process, uh, and it's part of you changing where you are, but also again changing who you are. So Mm. there's there's a lot of this, and I keep making that reference to between career and identity. But I think it is quite important, and especially as I say, as we move into the kind of where we go, the, the future of work to understand that perhaps if you're making a change to something else in another career and another workplace that it will be uncomfortable and you won't be the expert in the room perhaps that you once were and you might you might know everyone in that room as you once did but actually gosh isn't that a great opportunity reframe the story in your head don't you have so much in front of you that you can learn from once you start to rewrite things inside inside your own head it's you, you can look upon it as an opportunity or you can look upon it as an absolutely terrifying ordeal <laughs> And I, I
0: know which one I prefer to live with. One hundred percent. So you're in good company um, with imposter syndrome. I've been talking about this a lot recently, actually. And apparently, the the figure is something like seventy percent of people experience <laughs> imposter syndrome. And actually, I argue, I would argue, and I do argue, that if you've got imposter syndrome, it's evidence you're not an imposter. Because if you if you have imposter syndrome, you clearly value professional integrity making sure that you you know are able to uh, fulfill the requirements of your role it's often an indication that you uh, take stretch opportunities you challenge yourself so I think that imposter syndrome can actually be or your imposter can actually be the part of you that you can make friends with um, rather than the, the, the part of you that holds you back like our good old friend the inner critic um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but isn't that, I mean it's not amazing if you think about you know when you think about any room you enter or any group you see you, you know if you sort of turn around and look at 70% and think gosh seven seven out of ten of all these people um, have felt inadequate at some time yet you know you'll, you'll look at people that you respect that you admire that you would happily work even the most senior I mean it, it, arguably it might be more prevalent as you become more senior because it's Sort of, you feel like you've got to live up to a certain level and a certain uh, expectation that's, that that people have of you. It's quite reassuring to know that so many other people have it.
0: <laughs> well, this is it comes back to that curiosity piece as well. Being curious about people's own stories positions viewpoints etc and then also knowing that just because something feels scary or uncomfortable is no reason not to do it because a lot of this stuff is in our head right <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely and uh, again a lot of it may just be our own fear mechanism which is designed to protect us absolutely that's the key thing right We're, our fear mechanisms are, it's it's all built around self-preservation and so when things are really uncomfortable um that's when you you've got to almost fight your way through it push through it and understand that that growth comes through discomfort
0: so how does a self described reckless individual who has experienced imposter syndrome and wouldn't describe themselves as confident make such bold career moves what do you what mindset do you have or what What limiting beliefs have you had to overcome or what's your, do you have a little pep talk with yourself? Do you feel the fear and do it anyway? Like, How does that stack up? How does that line up?
1: (laughs) I suppose the the one mindset shift I've really had, which I think has helped me and hopefully uh, might be useful to share, is that when I was younger, I always used to compare myself to other people. I never, again, this was a big driver of my imposter syndrome. I never really felt good enough compared to others. You know, I I did well at school, I did well at university, and I I think I've I've ticked all the boxes through life, but that doesn't stop your own internal critic, as you say, from comparing yourself. There's always someone who's smarter than you, there's always someone who's faster than you, there's always always someone richer than you, that sort of thing, right? If if that's all you're going to seek out from a crowd, you're never going to be good enough. I've always found that that's sort of how I used to live. I used to amplify the positives in others, and I used to amplify the negatives in myself. Mm-hmm. and so I think the biggest mindset shift came when I realized myself and, and I've had you know I've had counseling I've had therapy for, for, for other issues before and, and I realized that actually life is not a race against others but it's it's your race against yourself and again very cliched and everyone knows this but knowing something being able to apply it to your own life are two very different things and so sort of slowing down and understanding that Life is not a race. I don't have to have done everything and earned loads of money and ticked this box, ticked all this box by the age of whatever, 35, 40, 40, 50, whatever. My race, my personal race is to be better than I was yesterday, every day. And that's a race I think I can win. And actually, I don't have to follow this linear, linear path from junior grad to senior partner. It's not all mapped out. I can blaze my own trail. And along that way, let's, Stop, let's have some fun, let's enjoy the view, let's try different things, and um, just make sure that I'm finding it fulfilling. When you don't find things fulfilling, when it's not hitting that actualization part of yourself, then perhaps you look for something else. I think another important thing was actually choosing the people you surround yourself with. Again, this comes back to what we had an earlier part of our conversation, which is around the lack space that we have to grow and to have those deeper conversations and so that's always been a very important part of my life from childhood actually because i i sort of grew up around a group of people who are very interested in self-development in understanding ourselves and understanding who we are having those deeper conversations so that's been ingrained uh, from a young age and so i brought that into my world of work as well and so choose people to help you grow, not just those who you know who say yes to you or those that you share common activities with. We all have lots of friends that we share activities with, that we go to the pub with, that we play sports with. Um, but those relationships are based around that activity. And so once you take the activity away, effectively the, the relationship sort of fizzles out. But if you've got friendships, if you've got real friendships, have a couple of relationships in your life where You've got people who are very willing to open a mirror, uh, sorry, hold a mirror up to you, and people who pick out your blind spots and are not afraid afraid to tell you those either. And that might be with your partner, Uh, it might be with your friends, it might be with your family, it might be with could be with anyone. Um, But again, these are people that, again, as you mentioned, many they may not even be people that you necessarily agree with all the time, but. You both share that commitment to personal development, to growth, and and effectively just to becoming sort of better versions of you. And then around the uh, understanding some of the other self that's the limiting beliefs, it's around understanding that it's not all about confidence and self belief. Always, you need to have enough of it. You need to have enough self uh, self confidence. And I think I've I've had a you know I've had a reasonable amount of self esteem, but as i say i've always felt like i'm not good enough compared to a lot of other people and so once you have enough to be able to make that first step to take that first step and understanding that this is just part of your experiment then that becomes an easier way to move through life and to move through work rather than jumping and making sure that you land making sure that every step you take is a success because not all of them will be but you've got to be okay with that i think as a sort of and i don't know where that comes from but it says the winners in life are the people that try the most stuff essentially that's what it is that's what life's about you know every for every every elon musk every jeff bezos all these guys have probably failed more times than they've they've ever tried all we're going to hear about is the good stuff obviously only again when you tinker around the edges do you actually um find areas in the unknown
0: So, if somebody is listening to this episode and they are at the edge of taking the leap, they're not a hundred percent certain. They uh, they've felt that itch and they're they're weighing up their options. They're, they they want to make a change, but they're not quite ready. What would you What advice would you give to them?
1: We're moving from a world where, as I said, your job isn't what you do; it's it's who you are. And and perhaps there's a as I say, identify. push or your pull within personally understand exactly what is what the motivation would be to to make that move spend time trying to link that push and pull to to yourself and also to the options that you have around you weigh up your options understand your opportunity costs which are the potential things that you would be leaving behind but not not in a way that you you know you fear the move also, get buy-in, get support, speak to people that you trust, not necessarily people that you're, that are always going to agree with you, but also people that are going to be able to challenge you. And then finally, I suppose, you know, move to the edge of the precipice. It may just be as simple as you fancy a change. You don't have to have this big grand vision of life and you know exactly where you're going. It may just be, you need to, you just fancy a change. you just, you're just bored. But your life is your journey and your life is your experiment you should go out there test and learn don't sit there and and be comfortable for the rest of your life because what you don't want to be doing is is looking back in your twilight years and and wishing you'd given that thing a go so those would be my uh (laughs) salient points
0: fantastic well thank you so much for coming on to the rewriters and sharing uh a little bit about your career rewrites and also the way that you have gone about continually evolved, evolving and playing and experimenting and having the courage to have a go
1: it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me
0: thank you so much bye-bye the rewriters is produced written and presented by monique shaw Original artwork by Gianna Perry and original music by DJ Simon.